Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clip that. I'm not playing in your league unless I can draft myself. <laughs> <laughs> Outside of football, I live a pretty boring life. With Matt Harmon. This is an anti-getting greedy podcast here. I've been seeing you guys' podcast have blown up here recently, so glad to get on. It's Thursday, January 12th, 2023, and today we're going to have a little fun. Uh, there's, there's a lot of, like, coaching news, all that stuff. We could sit here and, you know, give you... A full-hour breakdown on D'Amico Ryan's defense, Ben Johnson's offense, Frank Reich. You know, where does he fit in this mix? We're not going to do any of that. We're actually going to have a a good time today. We're going to do some year-end fantasy awards. And who better to do that with than the guy who was in uh, the co-pilot seat all year long with me every Sunday night? It's Scott Pienowski. Scott, I was saying it before we got started here. I feel like it's been... A month since I've talked to you, it actually hasn't been that long, but I guess that's the effect of going from, you know, the five day a week podcast schedule to now we're down to two, three and, and everything that's been going on. So how you doing, buddy? Yeah, it's been a while. Happy New Year. Good to be talking again. Uh, we got through week 18. Obviously, a lot's been going on in the NFL. I want to make one thing clear about this award show. This is this is the preeminent award show. These are more important than Golden Globes. These are more important than the Academy Awards, the Emmys, the Tonys. You know, the um, the baseball awards, you know, the Hall of Fame stuff, all that. Yeah, whatever. That that stuff is secondary. Today, we're, we are solving the you know, the debates and the problems of the fantasy you know, universe. The, this is all you are going to have a clear picture of what happened over the last four months from the hardware we give out tonight. And there are, you know, there are celebrities here and there are going to be sound effects and there's, you know, there's going to be there's a red carpet. You know, I, I don't know why we're not in tuxedos, but uh, this oh, the is red the, carpet was great. Yeah, I, I, I have. I mean, we looked. We both looked great in our in our hoodies and hats walking down the Yahoo <laughs> yeah, Fantasy yeah, Football Yeah, this is me dressed up, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's what's the joke? You know, you know, you like rainbow if you've worn sweatpants to a funeral. Um, but anyway, yeah. Let's get to the awards, man. Let's figure this stuff out. Let's uh, let's yeah. and and by the way, I just before anybody takes any of this too seriously, we will give out some serious awards. There'll be a lot of silly awards on this show. It's the, the goal is to have some fun. Fantasy football is supposed to be fun. It's a game about a game. I know, you know, certain moments of the season have more gravity than others. You know, prayers up to DeMar Hamlin, who's on the improve and going back home, which is great news to see. Hell yeah. But, you know, this is what we do. We're in the toy department. We're supposed to have fun with this. And uh, let's try to have fun for the next 45 to 60. Yeah, we're going to sandwich uh, Scott and I's own personal awards uh, between 
the Real Awards and uh, producer Lord Podcast John's award because uh, he looked at our awards and our our categories and said, "Okay, you two knuckleheads, we have to actually do some real ones here at the end." So let's start off with two of the big ones, though, uh, before we jump into our own personal awards here, Scott. Let's start fantasy MVP. Uh, who is your most valuable player in 2022 fantasy football? I really struggled with this because I feel like you can talk down anybody. Uh, is it the player who scored the most points? Is it the player who gave you the most bang for his ADP buck? Is it the player who was most impactful during the fantasy playoff? You know, I, I would have picked Travis Kelsey a month ago. He didn't score any touchdowns in December, so he took a little bit of a step back. Uh, Jacobs obviously had a huge season. Josh Jacobs, which Andy right. Barron's has mentioned about 50,000 times. He was on Jacobs. I was not on Jacobs. He would have been a fine <laughs> pick. He's the very top of the Yahoo MVP guy uh, leaderboard if you talk about the players who won the most Yahoo top 500 teams. I ultimately went with Jalen Hurts because it was a really ugly year for quarterback. And I, I just did my quarterback exit interview earlier this week. There were only eight green lights that I found of the top 30 quarterbacks drafted. And Hertz went late enough. He was after Allen. He was after Mahomes. He did it passing. He did it running. He did it very consistently. Yes, you did have to replace him at the very end of the season. But, you know, for one of those games, Minshew actually scored really well, too. So I, I went with Hertz. It could have been Kelsey. It could have been Jacobs. It could have been Patrick Mahomes. Several wide receivers. I think if Justin Jefferson had done anything in the final game of the fantasy playoffs, I might have gone with him. These are all viable picks, and I know you didn't go with Hurts, but a very, um, I say weak. Not that Hurts did anything wrong. I just don't think there's an obvious answer. I'm going with Jalen Hurts. No, I think Hurts is a great uh, one to to offer up here because I I think we're sort of in almost like the post late round quarterback world, right? Where um, there's not usually, and I guess Justin Fields actually ended up being this guy that if you took him really late and you just did it because he was a rushing threat, you would have gotten like starting quarterback numbers all year long. But the thing about Justin Fields is he was, he didn't start doing all that rushing stuff until what, like week six, week seven. So he wouldn't even really count in that award in that like sense. Right. So Hertz actually did it. Like you said, he went much later than all of these other guys was the QB three on the year, obviously finished slow. But I mean, if you had Jalen Hurts, um, and I know this because I had Jalen Hurts on on several teams, and you know ended up didn't did I didn't win the championship, but he put me in position to get there. And you could solve quarterback with a guy like Minshew, a guy like Brock Purdy, um, stuff like that. I ended up I'm an idiot, and I went Aaron Rodgers in a couple of those spots, and that's a big reason why I didn't end up there. Not if you had Jalen Hurts, I feel like there's an excellent chance you made your playoffs, and also there might have been a good chance you may have paired him with one of his teammates. You know, and when yeah. we talk about Philadelphia, oh, yeah, we'll you know, the fantasy that. team of the year, we'll talk more about them later, but. You may have gotten A.J. Brown. You may have gotten you know, Miles Sanders, who oddly, you're the quarterback running back who could score and kind of in concert together. It was an ugly tight end year, but Goddard was good. And then Devonta Smith had a really good season, a little bit backloaded to the second half of the year. So I feel like if you had Hurts on your team, you probably made the playoffs. If you were lucky enough to link up with one of his teammates, man, you were probably one of the kingpins of your league. Yeah, for sure. I I'm glad you wrote Tony Pollard on the outline, too, um, because I didn't actually realize this until I went back and looked at he was the running back seven uh, this season. He was dynamic and was, you know, much like Josh Jacobs what went in, I guess what you'd call the running back dead zone or, or the even just like a little bit after the running back dead zone. Jacobs ended up falling that far after the Hall of Fame game debacle. So I think those are two good names to bring up. Um, 
I ended up going with Travis Kelsey after deliberating a little bit here. Um, I think, obviously, we we got to mention Austin Eckler was the running back one overall. We talked about it with him uh, on the podcast that came out yesterday that he was on the most championship rosters. Uh, 22% of championship winning rosters on Yahoo uh, had Austin Eckler. That was the highest among uh, all players. Only, only him and Patrick Mahomes were over 20%. I think Mahomes obviously deserves to be mentioned here because he was the highest scoring player, period. But I ended up going with Travis Kelsey. Um, just honestly, Scott, because number one, the value, uh, the value of him over the tight end too. Travis Kelsey scores 261 points in half PPR this year. Freaking tight end two is TJ Hawkinson with 172.4 points, which is just an absolute huge gap. Also, um, you know, Kelsey was maybe like a fringe first round pick. Maybe, um, I, what would you say? He was probably like at, at the at the most like a back half first round pick. And I think the the biggest thing with Kelsey, and he will be a really interesting player to discuss next year. I know we all just filed our top 12 picks uh, overall for next year. So make sure to go check that out on the website. It'll be interesting to discuss next year. But honestly, the reason I ended up giving him my MVP award was because, you know, it would be great to just not think about tight end all year long, right? Like the fact that everybody else is out there like, Oh God, do I pick up Evan Ingram, Cole Komet, Cole Komet, tight end seven on the year. Give me a break. Tyler Higby, tight end nine on the year. You know, messing around with any of those guys, you don't have to do that. Would you have to do the Taysom Hill thing? No, you just have to plug Travis Kelsey in there every single week. And I feel like that is value enough in itself. Yeah. And I think you were, you were playing it nice with some of those fill in tight ends. I mean, was it a, Hunter Henry week. What was it a Juwan Johnson? Week? I was just going to say Juwan Johnson. <laughs> dare I? You know, people thought at the beginning of the season, Albert O could could do something, and then oh, you know, yeah. for for a while, Dulcich was a short term answer. You know, at least Engram really got it going in the second half of the year. But you're right. You know, one of the great things about Kelsey, or you know, and it goes with Hertz too. It, when you solve that onesie position, not only you're not chasing your tail in in waivers to try to fix it. But it may buy you an extra roster spot. A lot of these Kittle managers probably never were chasing the hot tight end or never trying to play yeah. the Taysom Hill game or, or and again, fill in any name you want that goes there. I still think Taysom Hill could have had a better season if the Saints maybe used him a little bit more proactively. But it buys you a little bit extra fab. It buys you some peace of mind. And in some cases, it may buy you an extra roster spot. As you said, Kelsey went into an age 34 season next year. So he's a tough call. I think. I think I had him in the middle of my first round, but I, you know, this is so early. We'll see what happens. I don't think I'm going to be drafting Kelsey next year, but man, he terrifies me every time I'm up against him. Yeah, no question. And 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 just the fact that guys like Mark Andrews and Dallas Goddard, these ones who probably could have challenged um, tra- Travis Kelsey for that top spot, ended up getting hurt for most of this for big chunks of the season, or you know, didn't and then didn't play up to performance for for a guy like Mark Andrews. It ended up really uh, just pushing things towards Kelsey there. All right. Let's move on to our next uh, serious award here, Fantasy Rookie of the Year. And, Scott, there are a lot of guys you could potentially consider here. Uh, which way did you end up going? Yeah, you know, I think he's a really deep rookie year, but I don't think anybody absolutely destroyed the game, smashed the game the way we have yep. seen in some other seasons. But I ultimately went with Kenneth Walker, who took over the job early in the season with the injury to, to Penny. And I, and I know he was maybe more valuable in fantasy than he was to the Seahawks. He's more of a boom or bust runner, didn't have the highest success rate, doesn't always have that much proactive use in the passing game. But bottom line is if you had Walker, once he got that job, you played him every week. And he generally gave you a, a 
reasonable score at the end of the week. A late push from Tyler Algier, who looks really good. And a lot of the secondary metrics really like Algier. If Atlanta can get a quarterback we like, I don't think Ritter's really a long-term solution. We'll see if they draft somebody or what they do, if they try to trade for somebody or sign somebody. But a lot of offensive pieces there I like. And, of course, there's so many good receivers. Wilson was great. Olave was great. I'll talk about some of the other guys who popped maybe in the second half of the year. I think this is a class that's going to age well. I think we're going to look back and say, oh, man, we got a lot of influx of talent in the 2022 season. A lot of these guys were impactful the first year, but the best is yet to come. The hour is pointed up for so many of these guys. I, again, I, I don't see one player who dominated. I think even you know the the real-life offensive rookie of the year is going to be an interesting vote. Yeah. I went with Walker, but I, I could have easily gone with three or four different guys. Yeah, Walker like you mentioned, was a little bit boomer bust. Wasn't that rookie that just took over fantasy football. We'll talk about uh, one of those rookies that could have been that guy at the very end of the show here. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, somebody who would have yeah. won it if he didn't get somebody, hurt. Yeah, yeah, somebody sure. would have ran away. From, actually, somebody who said it on Twitter, I, that he would have run away with it. But we'll uh, we'll get to that guy later on in the show. But Walker did finish really strong from week 16 to 18. He ran over 100 yards in all three of those games. He wasn't the running back that took over like the league like we usually see. I'm also glad you mentioned Algie year he should be a really fun player to debate uh in the offseason well you know me scott i gotta i gotta advocate for big receiver here um and i did really really um struggle between picking chris olave or garrett wilson who at the end of the you know the end of season rankings these guys ended up being right back to back with each other chris olave wide receiver 23 garrett wilson wide receiver 24 and Garrett Wilson, I think, gave you more monster weeks than Chris Olave. Um, he also finished with a lot more targets. I think this is funny, right, when people compare the raw stats between these two guys. Because um, just like, again, I think these two players, it might end up going to Kenneth Walker just because he's a running back. Receivers typically really struggle to win the Rookie of the Year award in real life. But when we talk about these two guys and you look at their stats, like, yeah, they're very, very similar. Chris Olave, 72 catches. Garrett Wilson, 74 catches. 1,042 for Olave, 1,014 for Garrett Wilson. Four touchdowns uh, for both of these guys. The Jets threw the ball way, way more than the Saints. And also, I, I get it that the the first thing you say is, well, look at the quarterbacks that old Garrett Wilson played with all year. Well, I mean, are we real? Are we, are we all on board with PFS love for Andy Dalton in the year 2022, or is that a bit of an outlier? I don't know. So I ended up giving it to Chris Olave, very tough decision there. Um, but yeah, Chris Olave, my fantasy rookie of the year this year. Yeah. And you mentioned the quarterback play. That's a common theme of the rookie receivers, right? I mean, obviously Wilson was saddled with some bad play. You can decide how you feel about Dalton. Uh, Pickens and Pickett were the, the story in Pittsburgh. They only threw, I think, what, 12 touchdown passes, was it? Jahan Dotson had a lot of good moments in Washington. They did not have good quarterback play. So these are receivers. You know, A lot of these guys ended up with like four touchdown passes, uh, catches on the year. Yeah. I think it's where Pickett, uh, Pickens, sorry, uh, wound up. So they're, again, this is going to be a group that ages well. These are guys who are going to have 10, 12, 14 touchdown seasons. Some of these guys in the years to come. It's just a matter of, and although I didn't give out an award for this, I did, I did write about it in my quarterback exit interview. I thought the story of the year, and I've mentioned it many times on podcasts with you, the inconsistent quarterback play with, with injuries, yeah. with players struggling in new situations. Look at how many teams had to play their backup and their third string quarterback a lot more than they ever expected to because of injuries or poor performance. And it, it held a lot of guys down. I, I think in different years, some of these rookies we talk about because they're they're super talented, man. Is Ohio State just a factory? You know, Marvin Harrison is coming, and they 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 got a pipeline of guys. 
and we're going to be arguing over who the best one is. Uh, you know, in a different year, these guys easily could have been like 1,300, you know, eight, nine touchdown guys. I think they're just held back sometimes by their quarterback play, but I can't wait to see where they're headed. It, again, the as the college and pro games merge closer and closer, remember Jameson Williams missed most of the season due to an injury, yep. and he was the guy picked you know, uh, by a lot of people is the best receiver in this class. So um, it's an exciting time to be part of reception perception, talking about you, <laughs> talking with you about all this stuff. And, uh, you know, I can't wait to see where this class goes. Cause I, I think they've only, th- this plane is just taking off. I mean, they're, they're going to get to 50,000 feet and we're going to see some pinball scoring in the next few years. Oh man. It is, it is such a fun class. I, I, I hope these guys find their way to quarterback solutions in the off season. It is funny. I didn't even realize this, Scott, that yeah, Drake London, four touchdowns, Chris Olave, four touchdowns, George Pickens, four touchdowns, Garrett Wilson, four touchdowns. Um, the two guys who finished with seven are Jahan Dotson and Christian Watson. Obviously both guys playing with future hall of fame quarterbacks in uh, Aaron Rodgers and, and Taylor Heineke. So understandable why they uh, were able to stuff the touchdowns there. <laughs> Well played. Well played. ODU's finest. ODU's finest, Taylor Heineke. Obviously, I think think Jahan Dotson might have scored at least like three or four of those touchdowns with Carson Wentz. Did they really bench Taylor Heineke for Carson Wentz or did, did I just have too much Chinese food one night and have a bad dream? That really did happen, right? Unfortunately, that really did happen. Then okay. they got eliminated from the playoffs, and then they played uh, Dalton Del Don's favorite quarterback, Sam Howell, to uh, to end the season, and and they beat they upset the Dallas Cowboys. So um, has anybody done the count? This must be the year where the most quarterbacks played. I, I, I I've never seen so many teams down to the third I, string guy. Yeah, uh, especially right towards the end of the season. I mean, just an absurd amount, and like you know, I just. We're probably going to get Tyler Huntley still still starting in the um, – oh, I mean, I don't – Dude, we might get – I mean, bro, 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 we're going to talk about it tomorrow. We might get Anthony Brown. I mean, Lamar Jackson not practicing today. Tyler Huntley didn't throw uh, because he's got – I mean, unbelievable. But we'll save that for tomorrow's podcast. I, I'm, old enough to, I'm old enough to be of an age where you only need to know some of the backup quarterbacks. And then it got to the point like, okay, you should probably know all the backup quarterbacks. Now I feel like you need to know every quarterback on the roster because they all to, might yeah. play. You, not even that. Like, you need to know – who has old ties to the franchise, like Josh Dobbs, right? Like, I think he had had a couple cups of coffee in Tennessee, but he was on the Lions practice squad when they poached him and then started him e- immediately. So, I mean, that's that's how crazy things are with the quarterback position right now. I mean, the Cardinals had four dudes. They had four guys, Murray, Colt McCoy, Trace McSorley, and then David Blau. I mean, that was it, is, put, it was really To put a point on this, too, this, this is what blows my mind. And again, it's because it was such a problem league-wide. Normally, when you have a team that goes through three or four quarterbacks, you're like, okay, they must have had a horrible season. What, they win three or four games? These were, cont- in a lot of cases, these were contending teams that were down to backup and third-string quarterbacks. I, the 49ers may have 49ers. a good chance as anybody to win the NFC. They're on their third-string quarterback. Washington was in the playoff hunt. They had no idea who their quarterback is. It's been so long since we've seen Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. And, and you know, two is not going to probably play for the rest of the season with good reason. It's just, yeah. it really made this season. I, you know I always laugh when people say, oh, this is the strangest season. This is the weirdest season. Yeah. Because every NFL season is weird in its own unique way. But to me, what made this season weird was just how unusual the court. That's the story of the year is that the quarterback play, Stafford got hurt and Rodgers took a step back and Russell Wilson lost his way. We'll talk about him in a minute. Um, that made fantasy really challenging this year. And again, I, I guess that's backing up why I took uh, Hertz's MVP, because I, I, I really felt good about having a quarterback answer in a year where there weren't. Normally, I feel like at any price point, you can do well at quarterback. I don't feel like that was true in 2022 at all. 
Yeah, all of the guys where it's like, okay, I missed out on the big three or four. It's like, well, I'll just take Brady. I'll just take Rodgers. I'll just take Derek Carr. None of that uh, material. The bench Derek fun. Carr, yeah. Yeah, the the bench Derek Carr. Yeah, another team that started multiple quarterbacks. All right. We've been serious enough. I don't know how serious we've been, but we've got through the serious awards. So um, what we're going to do now is we're going to ping pong here. Scott will give one of his awards. I'll give one of my fake awards, uh, and we'll just do it until we finish out here. Scott, you get us started. Your first uh, of the Scott Pianowski uh, awards here for the 2022 fantasy season. The Pianow goes to the Touchdown Allergy Award. This is history, man. Sometimes you're just going to give it up. We We are all witnesses to Deontay Johnson. 147 targets, no touchdowns. And that is an NFL record. The targets are official stat back to 1992. So fairly new thing. Although I can't imagine anybody had 147 plus targets prior to 1992 without a touchdown. The previous record, again, going back to 92, was Michael, the immortal Michael Timpson, part of the 1996 Bears. He had 109 targets, no touchdowns. Amani, uh, Monty Toomer had 107 one season. Torrey Holt, does anybody remember him as a Jaguar? 103 targets, no touchdowns. So basically, these were the worst seasons of, okay, stuck over 100 targets, didn't score a touchdown. And Johnson blew that out of the water. And then the only kind of tension at the end of the year was, was he going to sneak in a touchdown? Now, here's kind of the cute cherry on the top of the Sunday. Deontay Johnson caught a two-point conversion in the final game of the year. That was his second two-pointer, okay? So your 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 two point leaderboard this year was Hertz, Hawkinson, Deontay, and Zach Ertz all had two two pointers. Okay, which is as we all know, it's a play run you know, at the goal line basically. It's what two and a half yard line, whatever it is. So it's not like the Steelers throwing a pass that ends up with Deontay Johnson in the end zone is totally foreign to them because they did it twice. And again, they look they only threw twelve touchdown passes. I get it. I think still I think Pickett actually looked a little bit better every week. I think he has a chance. I'm not going to die on the hill that Kenny Pickett's going to be great, but I at least was seeing improvement, which is fortunate. We know Johnson is the type of player who's never probably going to be a big touchdown guy because of the routes he runs or where he plays on the field. And what would we see this year, right? Miles Sanders, right? We know touchdowns the previous year, and then this year he scores a bunch of them. We know how regression works positively and negatively. I would think anybody's reasonable projection next year for Johnson is probably, what, six, seven touchdowns, something like that, maybe four or five in a bad year, maybe eight or nine in a good year. So there's a lot of flukiness here. But, man, somehow a guy had 147 targets that didn't score a touchdown. So congratulations. Uh, Take your award. The Touchdown Algae Award will look nice on your mantle. Oh, it'll look so beautiful. And, uh, you know, you mentioned the week 18 uh, two point conversion. There were clearly several times, you know, when they were trying to get Deontay that one touchdown, like he got wide open uh, on a slant route at one point and Kenny Pickett threw it to him and he uh, just, you know, it um, it got batted down at the line and both Johnson and Pickens are or Pickett are like rolling their eyes at like how this is not happening. So it was destiny, man. It was absolute destiny. The, the, you're right. The two point conversion stuff is a cherry on top. Kenny Pickett had a 1.8% touchdown rate. It's the lowest of any rookie in the Super Bowl era uh, with at least 310 attempts. I saw John Paulson a four for four tweet that out yesterday. And I think this dovetails perfectly into the first award I want to give out. I'm calling this the extra glass in the film room award. And what I mean by that is like, hey, listen, Sometimes when you're when you're grinding that tape, you're, you're, you're charting receivers, you're doing whatever you need to do. Uh, maybe sometimes it's it's in the morning. You better bring an extra cup of coffee. Sometimes it's at night. Maybe you're pouring yourself a little extra, a little extra, maybe three fingers of, of, of whiskey uh, when you're coming in there, a little bourbon uh, action. 
it's for it's when you're doing the Matt Canada offense, okay? I mean, enough already with the Matt Canada offense. It is certainly, as I've said all year, it's the worst designed offense in the NFL. As of right now, we're taping this Wednesday. Uh, you know, there's been no news about you know any coaching changes happening at Pittsburgh. Please let's not have these guys, Johnson and Pickett. I know there's always like a there's always a concern about changing offenses on your young quarterback. Like we don't want this guy, go, you know, learning another system. This will be his third and three years coming from college. But I think we got to make a change here uh, with Matt Canada as the offensive coordinator. It just they're drawn dead when they walk in there uh, against cover two with some of the routes that they run and like everybody plays zone coverage. It's a, it's a nightmare. It's my worst uh, offense in the NFL. Bring the extra glass, whether it's uh, caffeine in the morning, a little bourbon at night. You better bring that extra glass if you're going to be watching that Matt Cannon offense in the film room. Yeah, well said. Blame Canada. And as I was talking about all the bad quarterback play, you can't have 32 teams change their quarterbacks. What you're going to have is a lot of teams change their offensive coordinators. Or maybe in New England, they'll actually pick an offensive coordinator. That would be nice. Out loud. That would How be nice. How excited are you for Cliff? Are you, are you? He's in consideration for this job. You know, I did not like Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona at all. But I, I like, it's kind of, I call it the reverse Peter principle. The, the Peter principle says that you will be promoted to a job that basically you're not qualified for at some point. And, the opposite of that, what I call the reverse Peter principle, is like taking a failed head coach and putting him back to his coordinator roots. I think of people like Wade Phillips. I think of people like Norv Turner. Think of what yeah. the reputation rehab program that Nick Saban runs in Alabama, where it's like, okay, let's get Sark down here. Sarkeesian, you know, has a couple, has a nice run. He move along your way. I think Lane Kiffin was there for a year or two, something like that. Bill so I was Ryan joking, there right now. <laughs> I was joking that maybe Kingsbury could be, you know, up for the Nick Saban fellowship, but. <laughs> You know, like Josh McDaniels, right? Maybe he's over his head as a head coach. I still think he was a good offensive coordinator. So I would be oh, yeah. interested to see what maybe um, Kingsbury could do, you know, as back to his coordinator roots. And, you know, a lot of people will say that the better head coaches are the CEO coaches. They're not necessarily the game design coaches. I know there are exceptions. Andy Reid's a genius and all that with play design, and you never want to take that away from him. But um, I, I will not dismiss the idea that Kingsbury could be a valuable coordinator and again there's going to be a lot of coordinator changes because these teams you can't you can't make 32 quarterback changes but you, you're right. going to see a lot of coordinator movement of course anybody who shows chops as coordinator we, we know johnson detroit's guy is, is going to be aggressively interviewed they, they may lose him in detroit then we have to play the game of okay well do we like the detroit offense as much with a new coordinator we have to play that game with buffalo well what do they do without brian dable turns out the offense was just fine although brian dable did a great job with the Giants. Yeah, I didn't come up with the Daniel Jones Award, but I do want to. I was just want to duck in. I think he was the most improved player in the NFL this year. He cut down. He led the NFL in interception rate, the lowest interception rate. He's cleaned up that fumbling problem, crazy. and he did it with all, almost nothing at wide receiver. So, I want to give a shout out to Jones. I, I felt like he should have been here somewhere, but uh, I didn't squeeze him in. But I did squeeze in Russell Wilson. My next award, the Island of Hell Award. What the hell is that? <laughs> it's the Broncos, the hot team in the summer, were on Island Games. Five of the first eight weeks, I want to say, and then even after Halloween, they kept showing up. And then just the again, just the cherry on the Sunday, they play on Christmas Day against the Rams yeah. team that's basically drawing dead, and the Rams beat them 123 to six score approximation to Baker Mayfield no less, and Cam Akers ran wild like like he was you know Adrian Peterson in his prime. What did we do to sign up? How how do I unsubscribe from the Denver Broncos now? At least 
they actually played a little bit better after they fired Nathaniel say, Hackett. Yeah. And, you know, maybe Hackett's a guy, another guy who, you know, we'll see if he gets a coordinator job. He sure seemed over his skis as a head coach. But and, and you know, I also tied in, you know, the Island of Hell Award goes to the Broncos. You know, Russell Wilson gets the moving is hell award, changes teams, everything falls apart. But the moving is an adventure award I give to uh, to Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, and A.J. Brown. They yeah. all changed teams. They were all great. Tyreek did it with multiple quarterbacks. A.J. Brown did it with a quarterback that people were not sure how great he was as a passer. Looked just fine this year. Devontae Adams did it, led the NFL in touchdowns. Despite a season, Derek Carr played poorly enough to get benched. And then Adams was still doing it You know when the backup had to play. So uh, wide receivers changing teams, no problem. Russell Wilson changing teams. Big problem. And for some reason, we all had front row seats to the 2022 Denver Broncos. And thank God that's over. I loved your moving awards because we look, everybody here listening to this podcast has moved before. And it's the worst. It's it is. It is the worst. Objectively, it's terrible. I've moved across the country before. Might do it again in in a few years. And it's a it's 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 frustrating uh, beyond belief. However, if you can get through the pains of moving, you know, the, the, the who's going to do this, who's going to do that? Are we hiring movers? Is any a buddy going to come and I got to pay a buddy and, you know, a case of beer and some pizza or whatever? What do I got to do? Getting through all the logistics of it, buying the house, finding an apartment to rent, all that stuff. If you can get through it, if you can get through all the off season of like, well, what's A.J. Brown going to do in Philadelphia? Or, you know, can Tyreek Hill really succeed without Mahomes? I mean, if you can get through all that nonsense, the reward can be pretty great if you find the right spot, if you find a good place to live, you find a new great community. All of these guys, all of these receivers, these star-studded receivers absolutely did find that. So I love that analogy there, Scott. Sometimes it's worth going through the pain uh, to get to the end destination. Since you brought up A.J. Brown, I'll give my next award here, uh, and it's the best fantasy ecosystem. Yes, drink. I said the word ecosystem. The Philadelphia Eagles, I think, were the best ecosystem in fantasy. I debated the 49ers a little bit, but because they were so kind of hard to pin down at different points and because, like, Debo was a a second-round pick that wasn't that great, you know, they didn't get McCaffrey until the back half of the year. I decided not to go with the 49ers. I did go with the Philadelphia Eagles, and it's because of the thing we talk about all the time here, Scott. Not only are they a great offense, um, but we knew where the ball was going, baby. Even when Dallas Goddard got out of there, it was like, well, you know what we're going to do? We're going to throw to Devontae Smith. We're going to throw to A.J. Brown. We're going to do it even more than we used to do. Um, Miles Sanders is a huge value pick. All of these guys honestly came at a huge discount as well. We talked about Hurts. Brown was, you know, not a top 10 consensus ranked receiver going into this year. Devontae Smith, I mean, I'm still... I'm still praying for forgiveness at wide receiver church for burying Devonte Smith, who I knew that was so talented, but had questions about the offense. And I think we got to give a shout out to Nick Sirianni, Shane Steichen, another guy who's getting um, interviews for coaching, you know, because I talk about this with Devonte Smith in the off season, like what they did last year is not really within like the coach's wheelhouse, right? Like these guys don't come from Baltimore or working with a mobile quarterback or something like that. They come from like working with Phillip rivers and uh, in both Indianapolis and, um, and in LA in this case of Shane Sykin, you know, Shane Sykin's last year as an offense coordinator was with Justin Herbert. Like, so they made that hurts offense last year on the fly. And then they remade the offense again this year around a different improved version of Jalen hurts. So just shout out to the coaches, shout out to the player, and shout out to the concentrated tree of the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, concentrated is the right word. What a perfect team, right? We know where the ball's going. 
great offensive line. Even the defense had four different players with double-digit sacks. So what what a fun team that was. And I can't wait to see them, you know. I think it's going to be a top, very top-heavy playoffs. I, th- I think there's like five or six teams that have separated themselves from everybody else. Philadelphia's one of those teams. Can't wait to see what they do. They were the team to invest in. I agree. I, I, I you know, you want to call I might use the word infrastructure. You use the word ecosystem. They're basically <laughs> synonymous. Uh, it's a great award from you. Yeah, they're the fourth best fantasy defense too. It's a good good of you to mention that. And like, I, I don't think about fantasy defenses nearly enough. Um, but they were they were really good uh, as a fantasy defense overall. Comes from leverage, some- right? You want to be ahead. You want to be ahead in games. You want your pass rushers pinning yep. their ears back. You want the other team to be one dimensional in the fourth quarter. Maybe even throw a couple of yellow balls. What what do they care? The pitchy pitchy woo woo at the end of the game, as Scott Van Pelt would say. So. Yeah, good stuff. I'll, I'll I'll go back to your favorite position, the wide receiver position, the Polaroid Award, the the slow developing rookie receiver who popped for us late. I'm gonna give it to two guys. Jah- you mentioned him earlier, Jahan Jahan Dotson and Christian Watson. Both had seven touchdowns in a year where a lot of talented receivers couldn't get in the end zone for for different yeah. reasons, not no fault of their own. But Dotson was somebody you may have picked up in the middle of the season was really useful. And, and once Watson got in the Aaron Rodgers circle of trust, not easy to do, but. Watson did it, and uh, and he was a guy who had a nice touchdown binge. And, and I get it, touchdowns can be a little bit fluky, but you, you see the playmaking skills of these guys. And the fact that Dotson was doing it with such ordinary quarterback play uh, really stuck out to me. And, and on a team that has other good playmakers as well, you know, because McLaurin and Samuel and guys like that can certainly go. And it was just nice to see the Packers find something at receiver because you know, Lazard's just a guy, and obviously yeah. they moved on from Adams and you know whatever Bob Tunyon did a couple of years ago. That that's out the window. They never really got their running game. I think where they wanted it to be. I don't think Jones and Dylan lost you your league, but they they probably they certainly didn't win you anything. But Christian Watson was a guy probably given up for dead in a lot of fantasy leagues who who popped in the second half of the year, and so did Dotson. This is one of my favorite things to do is look for the, and you know, even I, I could have even given Drake London a mention here because he he That's played true. really well once the quarterback changed, right? I mean, I, not that Desmond Ritter is anything great, but Desmond Ritter did unlock Drake London, and that's something that didn't really happen in the first couple months of the year. Yeah, Desmond Ritter understood the assignment where Marcus Mariota did not. It's like, okay, yeah, there's a lot of interesting players in here. Let me get this. Let me get this guy the ball, which is what I'll defend my guy Arthur Smith uh, to the. I'm not, I don't know if he's my guy, but I'll defend Arthur Smith on that one. That sometimes it's got the you know the quarterback's got to get out there and hit the plays. Ritter did hit the plays. Glad you mentioned Drake London. Yeah, incredible finish for Jahan Dotson. Five for fifty four and a touch against the Giants. They come off their bye. Four for one hundred five and a touch against the Giants again. San Francisco 49ers, seventy six yards and a touchdown, and then three for thirty seven thanks to Carson Wentz. Oh my God, Carson Wentz, and then finishes with three for seventy two. Uh, against the Dallas Cowboys. So great mention of him. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll keep giving out our extremely serious awards here on the Iowa Fantasy Football Forecast. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. All right, we're back. And this dovetails perfectly into uh, another one of my awards here because 
I am going to give out, and this one's, uh, you know, this one's special to my heart, or maybe hurts my heart because each of the last two years, Scott, I have somehow found my way to being overweight or you know too excited about a second-year wide receiver who ends up getting in the doghouse somehow. You know, it was Brandon Ayuk in 2021. It was Elijah Moore in 2022. Don't know what I've what I'm doing there. Don't know how I end up. I'm trying to avoid that player next year. I'm going to give this award, the second-year wide receiver, most likely to end up in the doghouse next season. I'm going to give it to George Pickens. And a couple of reasons here. I mean, I don't know. I'm totally trying to guess this because I wouldn't have thought Ayuk was this guy. I wouldn't have thought Elijah Moore was this guy. But, you know, George Pickens, he's always out there like, Trying to get it, trying to get himself more targets. You know, he says he's open 99% of the time. Let me tell you what, George, you're not open 99% of the time, not even close. So I'm going to give this award to George Pickens. Uh, as I'm, I'm predicting in 2023, at some point, there's going to be some sort of public, um, oh, maybe he won't get in the doghouse because Mike Tomlin's like too good of a coach to really just doghouse a player like this. Not that Shanahan's not a good coach or Robert Sala's not a good coach, but I think he's better at managing personalities. We know that with Mike Tomlin, but I'm going to give George Pickens the uh, second-year wide receiver most likely to end up in the doghouse next year. A lot of good things here. I like you using doghouse as a verb. Good stuff there. Doghouse. <laughs> I like you giving out an award that's based on where you think the puck is headed, right? That That's really, if I'll be serious for a minute, that's what fantasy's all about, right? We, we can chew up and analyze as much as we want what just happened. But what matters is what's going to happen next year. And I love that this award is actually projecting that. I think I like Pickens more than you do because I pick it impress Pickens and Pickett is going to drive me crazy. It's going to be tough. Seven or eight years. But um, I think Kenny Pickett got better. And if the Steelers are, because look, Mike Tomlin's a great coach. And it's funny. I I was talking about what a great coach Mike Tomlin was and he, he bails out another winning season. They almost made the playoffs. And it's amazing how many Steeler fans are just frustrated because they're just used to the Steelers going deep yeah. in the playoffs and winning championships. And they're like, well, where are the playoff wins? And I, and I you know, I, I push back a little bit on that. I'm like, you know, you guys don't know what it's like to have a lousy head coach, which a little, lot of little bit spoiled, little, little bit. Spoiled I think there this is spoiled nature too. That's the yeah. word I would use. You know, I mean, you, you, you've Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season, and he's had challenges. You know, Antonio yeah. Brown, talented was a challenge. Ben Roethlisberger was a challenge. Le'Veon Bell was a challenge. He had injuries. He's not an excuse maker. Is he perfect? No. But Bill Belichick doesn't draft that great. And Andy Reid has timeout flaws every once in a while. And Kyle Shanahan's overall one-loss record isn't as great as you might think it is. I mean, you can pick on anybody. I Maybe we all have the problems that Mike Tomlin is our head coach. (laughs) So I think they changed the coordinator. At least I hope they do. I'm done with Canada, too. I was impressed with I think Pickett getting better at the end of the year. I think Pickett shows the possible talent of being a wide receiver one. So I think I like him a little bit more than you do. But again, you know, I, I like the way you frame this award, and I think it's useful for the discourse going forward. I don't know how useful it is for the discourse going forward because I wouldn't have predicted I, again, I wouldn't have predicted Ayuk or Elijah Moore to be those guys to end up in the doghouse. Uh, but then, you know, Elijah Moore complained about his role uh, while the team is winning. Never a good look, all that stuff. So uh, who knows? But I'm, I'm trying to trying to project a little bit here with George Pickens. Uh, so we shall see. We shall see uh, how we project him in the offseason. Scott, give me your uh, your next award here. Yeah, I got two more. Um, I actually had something for Kyle Pitts that I'm going to scrap. So if you wanted... Kyle Pitts. No, no, no. Um, we'll keep, we'll keep, we'll keep your, keep your, just go, just go one by one. We're not, a, I'm not in any rush here. So go one by one here. Well, the unlikeliest cop buddy show award I goes love to this. Brock Purdy and George Kittle. Okay. Now 
the, the story with George Kittle was always, oh, you know, he's awesome. He's he's intense and he's smart and he's physical and he blocks like a maniac. And he, you know, he, he set the record one year for tight end yardage. But where are the touchdowns? And then Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, you, you know, a guy projected to maybe have a career as a backup, gets in the pilot chair and George Kittle scores seven touchdowns in four games out Unreal. of nowhere. And, and, and the whole, we've been waiting for Kittle to be unlocked. And, and again, we talk all the time. We talked about early in the show, touchdowns are fluky. There's a lot of noise. There can be a lot of reasons. And, you know, when you're on a team with as many good skill players as the 49ers, you, you can't blame them when they're scheming Ayuk or they're scheming McCaffrey right. or they're scheming Samuel when he's healthy. They've, they've had other good play. You know, they, they, so many guys can score on this team that it's not like it's it's a flaw of Kittle when he ends the year with five or six touchdowns. But it's just so funny that the George Kittle touchdown explosion came with Brock Purdy. I have no idea how good Brock Purdy is, but right now I think I think the 49ers are going to the Super Bowl, man. And I guess that means I yeah. believe in Brock Purdy. And I believe in the in the cop buddy show that is Brock Purdy to George Kittle. I'm, I'm gonna try to hook those guys up in some of my playoff drafts. And what's beautiful, a couple of beautiful things here. Number one, it, it, similar to with DJ Moore, who I, I wanted to try to find a way to give DJ Moore some kind of QT award because um, he's he made me sad. I, I, I'd actually, uh, yeah. I, I had the eternal, you know, sunshine of the spotless mind. I'd gotten DJ Moore out of my mind for like maybe 10 minutes and you finally had to remind me I'm of him. Sorry. I, I'm sorry. I had so many DJ Moore shares, man. I, I, I could not wait. He was my automatic third or fourth round pick in so many leagues and it just went nowhere, but I had to play him. And look, he actually was okay. Darnold yeah. had well, a That's moment. what I'm saying. He played, he played, he had seven touchdowns. And if I told you at the beginning of the Did year, like DJ seven? Moore's going to have, oh, wow. he, scored, okay. he scored seven. And that was the big, and there was the big bugaboo with both him and George Kittle. That's why I brought it up because Kittle scores 11 touchdowns this year. Like that was always like, can we get him more than five? You know, because his career high, I think uh, going into this, well, it was his career high was six last year. But like, when were we going to get that eruption touchdown season from George Kittle? When were we going to get it from DJ Moore? Not the seven is an eruption, but like, Sam Darnold was the guy to unlock DJ Moore. Brock Purdy, the guy to unlock George Kittle. That's pretty beautiful stuff. Right. And, and again, you get those touchdowns in the fantasy playoffs. So I'm sure a lot of people were like, oh, hey, yeah, he's got Kittle. I got Kelsey. You know, I, I, I got you at that yeah. spot. And, and yeah. George Kittle, I'm sure a lot of, I'm sure, I don't know what his win rate was, but I'm sure it was pretty high because his best play obviously came in December. Yeah, it was beautiful stuff with George Kittle there. All right, I'll give uh, an award out here. The worst offseason narrative award. And it's got to go to Amon Ra's 2021 finish. How many times, Scott, was it brought up by the Amon Ra detractors in the offseason? Well, yeah, he finished last season, you know, but he's not going to do that again because look at the guys that he was playing with. Look at the guys last year. You know, in terms of uh, who was out, right? Like, I mean, the players that missed, it was all just volume stuff. Targets that, you know, targets aren't earned, right? Tar- it's just, it wasn't because Amon Ra was good. It was because, you know, he was he was playing with a bunch of uh, guys last year who don't really, you know, he was, he was the only one there. He was the only option, right? Well, I mean, that ended up certainly not being uh, the case. He was one of the league leaders in targets per route run was Amon Ra St. Brown. He was a volume sponge. Uh, 20, 30.3% targets per route run. You know, uh, he was 25.9% target share was Amon Ross St. Brown. Sometimes 
It pays to shut off bad narratives and just focus on how good the player is. I'm on Ross St. Brown. Watch the games. He was unbelievable last year. That volume was obviously going to carry over. So it ends up being the worst offseason narrative award was, uh, oh, no, his, his finish last year is unsustainable because the other players will be healthy. Well, you know, I, I, that never materialized. Even when TJ Hawkinson was still on the team, DeAndre Swift was, uh, was healthy early in the season. He was still dominating targets. Yeah, I could have thrown TJ Hawkinson into the, you know, moving as an adventure award because he was actually Ooh, really yeah. good when he went to Minnesota. Detroit was probably, I didn't have an award for the, f- the most fun team. They weren't as lucrative as Philadelphia, but they were just so much fun. They covered 12 times in a season, or after last year, I think they covered 11 times. They only won three games. And I think everybody thinks they're probably playoff worthy on merit. They, just, you know, they needed to win one more game, or if, you know, Seattle hadn't gotten every call possible against the Rams in week 18, maybe the Lions make the playoffs and, and yet they they show up, they beat the Packers, you know, Jamal Williams lived in the end zone. We could have given him awards, you know, for the you know, touchdown deodorant award or whatever you want to give him because he was just a, a spike show. And, you know, St. Brown was legit. Goff winning year two of the breakup. Of course, the Rams did win the championship last year. Yeah. Um, so we'd come up with a Rams award. I, I guess it's just too depressing to talk about it. it yeah, the, depre- to- the depressing award. <laughs> <laughs> it would force you to, to have an Allen Robinson reckoning that you're probably not ready for. But not. yeah, uh, St. Brown's a stud. Uh, Goff, in a year where so many quarterbacks went wrong, Goff was one of the few green light right answers. Williams was great. Um, you know, DeAndre Swift was kind of frustrating with his you know, SAT question, how many touches this week, seven, eight, nine. And then out of nowhere, he'd get like 18 and then you go back to seven yeah. the next week. But the Lions were fun. The challenge next year is, you know, to do it, to incorporate Jameson Williams for a full season. They may have a new coordinator because obviously Johnson's going to be interviewed by everybody. But uh, I'm going to miss the Detroit Lions. And St. Brown was certainly one of the right answers at receiver. You know, what we saw last year was certainly indicative of what was coming in 2022. All right. Give me your next one. uh, You've got, I think, the Scapegoat Variety Award. Yeah, the Scapegoat Award. I give it up to the Colts, man. They're all about blaming somebody, and they're all about blaming somebody different. One week, it was Matt Ryan's yeah. fault. Oh, no, the next week is actually uh, Frank Reich's fault. Oh, I'm sorry. It was the offensive coordinator's fault. I'm sorry. It's the GM's fault. Oh, it, it's actually uh, Ellinger's fault again. It's the defense's fault. It's Jeff Saturday's fault. They've run out of pl- people to blame. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe it's Ursay's fault. <laughs> maybe it's, uh, yeah. it's the, you know, the, this, let's go to the top on this. I thought the Colts were going to run away with the AFC South. Spoiler, they did not run away with the AFC South. They're Ooh, one of the worst teams in football. Scott, we've got, we have got some takes that aged poorly on this podcast about the, the Colts, me and you. I'll tell you that. Oh, man. I, I thought they would win. I thought they would win the division, you know, with two or three weeks to spare. And, uh, you know, my Michael Pittman shares RIP. Um, Jonathan Taylor never missed a practice. He missed the practices this year. I mean, whatever. You've got players get hurt. I can't, I'm not yeah. here to knock Jonathan Taylor because he got hurt in a game that's as physical as the NFL is. But, you know, Pittman was sunk by his quarterback play. You know, Paris Campbell would play just well enough for you to trust him the next week and for him to do nothing. We know what the Colts love to do too. By the way, not only do they love scapegoating players, they love getting a big tight end performance and then making sure that player does nothing for the next three weeks. That's such so an true. Indianapolis Colts move. I'm sick of these guys, man. I, you know, the Colts, I, I'd like to put them on probation. If they were like a European soccer team, I'd relegate them for a season. Nobody would miss the Indianapolis. Well, whatever. Let Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor go to new teams for a year. But otherwise, nobody would miss the Colts next season. Did you see um did you see Chris Ballard's quote from his press conference yesterday? Uh, he he I you did. know he's pretty he, uh, about um 
Let me find it. I'm going to be... While you're looking for that, I want to be fair. Two or three years ago, I would have told you I thought Balor was a great GM. Oh, yeah, I know. And and pretty questionable. And... Uh, yeah, that pretty questionable uh, things there. By the way, okay, so the, I found I found the quote uh, exactly. So Colts uh, GM Chris Ballard yesterday. Uh, we live in a world, uh, we live in an NFL world where failure is not allowed. When you fail in this world, you get canceled, and everybody wants your head, and rightfully so in some cases. But if you're able to go through it and learn from it, you can reach your greatest heights. Well, it sounds like Scott, we're ready to actually cancel the Indianapolis Colts. So the Colts are canceled <laughs> here. We're we are embracing can- cancel culture, which I didn't know applied. <laughs> I didn't know applied. It's a horse NFL. thing. It's a horse thing. I'm canceling the Broncos and I'm canceling canceling the Colts, man. It's you know these. It was not a good year for horses. We are anti-horse on this here podcast. That is for sure. All right, uh, I will give my last award, and then Scott will wrap it up before we go uh, through some more serious awards here. My last one is the Wasted Oxygen Award, and it's got to go to Gabe Davis. I mean, I, uh, I, I <laughs> Scott, the amount of tweets. The amount of uh, articles and podcasts that went into like the great Gabe Davis debate. Uh, flag I, I said planting, this, the, the the flag planting in February, the flag planting in March. Oh man, I, it was it was again just total wasted oxygen. I, I said this on my podcast, the Reception Perception Show with James Coe. I said this that like being the centrist. I, I we were doing like a off season sort of take like take evaluation. I was like I said all off season that I was a Gabe Davis centrist, and I feel like that was the right place to be. He was wide receiver thirty five. Obviously, he did miss a game. He played a few he missed games, and then of course the Bills, you know, didn't play a full schedule because of uh, the the Bengals game being canceled, everything like that. But you know, like the the most hilarious thing about Gabe Davis was that not only was he just like okay, he was a pretty middle of the road wide receiver three the people who were super anti Gabe Davis like oh no he sucks he's not even an NFL player that was silly they're like oh Gabe Davis is sky high up upside that was even crazier Scott because then we had to waste more oxygen during the season and being like you know what yeah I know Gabe Davis just dropped like three for 35 or two catches for 35 yards in your uh in your starting spot but you can't bench him because of the upside he had one game over 100 yards like the upside was even overstated just total wasted oxygen on all these Gabe Davis debates let's try to not do that with a player this offseason yeah well said it's shocking to me that with Josh Allen having a strong year he won't be the MVP but he was obviously one of the right answers at quarterback I'm surprised I haven't mentioned him until now and Buffalo was in contention for the number one seed all season. We, we know their season had an unusual turn at the end of it. And again, prayers to DeMar Hamlin. Somehow Buffalo only had two every week, no doubt, set and forget fantasy players. It was Diggs and it was Allen. Singletary, you know, you didn't want to play him, but you could. Knox, you didn't really. I know you struggled with him all year. You didn't really want to play him, but you could. Gabe Davis, where you drafted him, you felt like you had to play him, but you drove you crazy. You knew Isaiah McKenzie about every five weeks or so would have a big game. James Cook would pop every once in a while. Naheem Hines put on a kick return show in week 18 and wasn't that inspiring when he took the opening kick back. But, you know, he basically, for the most part, he wasn't a factor, you know, getting off the sinking ship that was the Colts. I didn't think Buffalo had it in them that Allen could have a great year. And, and obviously when Allen runs in a touchdown, nobody else gets the benefit of that. But I had them ranked as the number one fantasy offense before the season. I, I don't know where I would have ranked them now if I did an end of season ranking. I did revisit those quarterly, but they certainly wouldn't be number one now. It, it's just funny that I still think they might go to the Super Bowl. We'll see how healthy their secondary is. Obviously Cincinnati and Kansas City are going to have a big say in that. Maybe the Chargers will find their footing. Uh, it's a very deep AFC, but 
they could go to the Super Bowl in a year where they only had two reliable fantasy players on a team that's basically built around its offense. That's something I didn't see coming. Yeah, me neither. I mean, there's a lot of uh, a lot of unforeseen stuff there, of course, with Buffalo. But yeah, that offense was it was it was great. It was good for most parts of the year. There were different parts where it was a little rocky, but just the lack of uh, dig like non digs threats. Uh, was a big problem for Buffalo all year. All right, Scott, give me your last one, and then we'll go kind of rapid fire here to wrap it up on Lord Podcasts Award. Yeah, this will be a quick one. Just the, the waiting for Godot Award or waiting for Guffman, if you want. It was Kyle, Kyle Pitts every week. This is going to be the Kyle Pitts week, right? He's too good to have another two for 17. Yeah. He's too good to have another three for 21. He's eventually going to score on American soil, which he did this year. I, I get it. Mariota <laughs> over his head. Desmond Ritter. You know, who's to say what he's going to be? But early returns don't look good. There are different angles of attack on Arthur Smith. All I ask for is can you just prioritize your best players? All right. I I get it. You only wanted to throw 20 passes a game and all that. But could we at least get most of the targets to Drake London because he's really good and Kyle Pitts because he's really good? Now, the Pitts came into the league at a young age. He's still, what, just 23? We'll see if they have a new quarterback next year. So people will be talking about him as maybe a difference maker or breakout player, whatever it is. But I feel like we've been waiting, you know, again, like Godot, like Guffman, we've been waiting for, this is the week for Kyle Pitts. And, uh, you know, he's, Kyle Pitts is always, to steal the line from Bright Lights Big City, Kyle Pitts was always on his way in 2022, but he very seldom arrived. What uh, what references are those that I that I totally don't understand uh, here for this Kyle Pitts award? That's what I'm like all it, about. The obscure I references. Mean, it, I, but I'm saying, like, what are they? I don't know. What they, what are they? What You've are never they? heard of Waiting for are. Godot? That's a famous book. You've never heard of that? No, I haven't. Okay, Waiting for Guffman is one of the Christopher Guest movies. Uh, they did um, This is Spinal Tap, Best in Show. Oh, oh, I've yeah, yeah I've, I've seen Spinal Tap. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, Waiting for right. Guffman is the, they're waiting for this critic named Guffman to show up to review their their um, community theater event or whatever it is, and the, and the guy just, Guffman never shows up. That's yeah, Waiting right. for okay, Godot. Now, now you're man. I don't know how you'd yeah, never heard of Waiting for Godot. It's a, it's a famous, it's one of those books that you had to read in college. Maybe they phased it out in the last 15 or 20 years. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's been it's been canceled like Chris Ballard for all I know. But. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, it's only a three, apparently, according to Goodreads, it's only a 3.8 out of five, Scott. So, I mean, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't know. All right. Well, that's 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 our book talk for the for the for the uh, for the episode. I, 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 have very... you, I can ask you this. What's your favorite book of all time? See, I'm a we- I'm a bit of a weird reader in that I mostly read non I don't I don't read a lot of fiction. Um now my favorite like if I'm being, you know, if I'm being honest, my favorite book series is I'm a huge I'm a huge Potterhead. I know that makes me like not a cultured man, but I'm a, I'm a huge Harry Potter dork. Um I could go Potter all all day long. But like my favorite books to read were I, this is again, this is the type of reader I am. Was like Irving Goffman's, uh, you know, books on like like sociological books, stuff like that. That was my favorite. Those are my favorites to read. Um, the present presentation of self in everyday life. I wrote my whole college thesis on that. That was that's like my favorite stuff to read is that type of stuff. So I need to I need to be a better fiction reader, Scott. Um, as an adult, I wrote read a lot of fiction growing up, but as as like an adult, I read a lot of very dry like history old presidential books uh that type of stuff so i'm a very weird reader that's for sure yeah well it didn't have to be a fiction answer it's funny you say that because i grew up english major writing major you've read a lot of fiction and now i i am much more biography driven much more non-fiction driven you know i've I've read like every 
even though I would never like let a son of mine get anywhere near Bob Knight. Um, I've read like everything there is about Bob Knight. I think he's fascinating. Yeah. Um, I've read a season on the brink several times. There's an unauthorized biography of Bob Knight. That's outstanding. Um, I watch a lot of documentaries. That's probably my favorite genre of TV. But um, as far as books go, some of your classics, Great Gatsby uh, is a great one. Uh, the Catcher in the Rye is a great one. Ball Four, which is um, a baseball book, a nonfiction book, which is very funny, insightful about uh, a pitcher on an expansion baseball team who's trying to hang on throwing a knuckleball because his arm is shot. Uh, the late Jim Bouton. It's just a great book on human nature and uh, the culture of a, of a clubhouse is one of my favorite reads. And um, I'll mention Bright, Light, Bright Lights, Big City for the second time, a very quick read. The type of, if you're on like a coast to coast flight, you could probably read Bright Lights, Big City in four hours. It's like 190 pages or something like that. But uh, Jay McInerney's semi-autobiographical story of a young writer who's in New York trying to struggle with some of the challenges of being in New York in the 1980s. And it actually was a really good movie too with, Michael J. Fox and Kiefer Sutherland, a couple of Canadian boys. So wow. uh, shout out to that. There you go. This, you know, we said we're going to be silly, but we're giving you reading recommendations. This yeah, is, reading recommendations. This is the extra value you get from the Yahoo Fantasy Football forecast. Sapiens, that's another nonfiction book that I, I read recently that I really love. And my father-in-law has that. I need to get it back from him. I would love to, How much money do you think? Uh, how much money would you like to bet that he has not even read that book since I, I lent it to Also, him. Murakami. You can't go wrong with a Murakami book if you want, if you want a, uh, a fiction read. Um, he's one of the finest writers out there. See, oh, so this is it was waiting for Godot. This is a play. That's why I haven't, I haven't not not read a lot of plays. Uh, oh, right, okay, of like course, yeah. yeah. But that, that's there how far go. removed I am from it. I, I don't even remember the shape of it. But there you go. Well, yeah, I feel, and I feel like there's a. We'll get, we'll get back to the awards here in like five seconds. But I feel like there's been a, a lessening of like plays that you read when you're in school like these days. But you know what? That's a, that's a whole other topic. Okay, let's finish it up here. <laughs> We, we just went so far off course. Uh, all right. Let's finish it with uh, Lord Podcasts Awards here. And we'll go pretty quickly on yes. these. But they're the, they're your more typical fantasy ones, starting here with the most disappointing season-ending injury of the fantasy season. We mentioned it at the top of the show. Brees Hall. It's got to be Brees Hall. He even tweeted this week. I think he quoted an underdog tweet like, you guys are lucky I, I didn't finish the season or whatever. Because he definitely would have run away with Rookie of the Year. Yeah. Um I think actually Hall and I would also mention Cooper Cup, who was once again destroying oh, yeah. the wide receiver board. And granted, he's yeah, still wide receiver twenty-two. He still has more points on the year than Chris Olave. Yeah, he gets the Derrick Henry Garrett award Wilson. for the guy who missed half the season. That's and still right. Has yeah. a, he still has a decent score at the end of the year, which is what Henry did last year, right? He missed like That's half right, the yeah. year. It's like, oh yeah, Derrick Henry was running back twelve, and he wasn't even here for two months. But yeah, Brees Hall was was going to be a difference maker and was going to be the rookie of the year. And, and who knows, maybe the Jets would even be a playoff team if Hall had stayed healthy. Uh, Lord Podcast also mentioned the best waiver wire pickup of the season. And this this was not a great waiver wire season. I was thinking of giving Derek McKinnon a an award for the December to remember because this is a guy who had nine touchdown catches and eight of them came from December onward, okay? He did not have a top 20 fantasy game until December. And then he finished... Running back 16, running back 1, running back 1, running back 21, running back 6, running back 28. So you could have played him. Once you got the idea that he was in the circle of trust, and I, I get it, Hardman got hurt. The receivers there were okay. They they weren't that great. Once the McKinnon, look, nine ca touchdown catches from a running back. You're living right when you when you get that. But it is Andy Reid. It is Patrick Mahomes. So if you finally got in on McKinnon at the right time, man, I, he 
you know, he didn't get you the playoffs. He may have won your playoffs for you, or at least had a big stay, say, say in, in how you did in those money weeks. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Uh, Jared, yeah, I, I agree. It was, uh, we also, Lord Podcast mentioned Justin Fields uh, as a guy that could be um, the waiver wire pickup of the year. It, was, it just really was difficult to, it was really difficult to nail down sort of. Um, In really shallow leagues, maybe you picked up Watson. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah. uh, maybe you picked up Walker, you know, Watson. We talked about Dotson, guys like that. They they were useful. Fields is really good. Once Fields got it going, he, he was kind right. of an every week guy. And I'm still not sure how good he is. They obviously didn't support him very well. He takes way too many sacks. They had very poor play at wide receiver. So uh, a lot going on there. Um, but. Jarek McKinnon, eight touchdown catches, eight touchdowns on 27 catches from week 13 on. Pretty incredible finish there for Jarek McKinnon. So he's a good a one running back. I mean, that would be crazy for any position, but that's especially crazy at a position where you don't think of, you know, if your running back catches three or four touchdowns in a season, you feel like you're fortunate. Yeah, that's it's insane. And and we spent all, you know, again, we're talking about a wasted oxygen award. We spent so many, so much time during the offseason and in season debating like Chiefs wide receivers. And it's like, actually, what the one you want is Jared McKinnon. <laughs> that's really the one that's going to be your league winner. Not Canarius Tony, not Sky Moore, certainly not MVS. It's actually going to be Jared McKinnon catching eight touchdowns uh, on 27 balls. Pretty And, and you talked about oxygen, by the way. I, not that this guy had a bad season, but man, did we talk a lot about Isaiah Pacheco? During the season, yeah, and we're we an did. hour into this award and, show, and and in the off season as well, like preseason when it was oh, he's a, he's the lead kick returner. That means he's going to be active on game. We did spend a lot of time on that too. Was it just weird that he was wearing Tyreek Hill's number? Were they, were they just? It I, always I, felt strange. It was that that they had in conjunction with the fact that Sky Moore was wearing freaking twenty four and Isaiah Pacheco was wearing ten, and the fact that that was also Tyreek's number. There's a lot lot going wrong there. I don't With mind the, the funky numbers. numbers. I know there's some difference of opinion on the Yahoo staff about that, but when Tyreek Hill leaves, just let the number 10 breathe for a second. Don't don't give that Seriously. number. Don't don't burden somebody with that number right away. That would be my advice. I I what my conspiracy theory on that is like, you know, Tyreek was given all those uh interviews in the offseason about, oh no, two is actually like the better than Patrick Mahomes type stuff. I'm I'm a Holmes probably went to the equipment guy himself like, you know what? Give out Give Pacheco the ten, okay? We knew we were probably gonna, they were probably we're gonna let it breathe. And it was like, no, 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 we're actually gonna give it to Pacheco right now. So that that's my conspiracy theory on what happened there. Um, all right. Well, they should have given Jared McKinnon number ten because he he was scoring. He he outscored Tyreek Hill when it came to touchdowns. Yeah, that that is pretty incredible. Um, there's a lot of incredible things that happened in the NFL. That's why Lord Podcast also wanted to see about the. Quote, this league moves fast award. He gave it to Melvin Gordon. I'm actually going to give it to his honorable mention here, who it was Daryl Henderson. Yeah, I just, I, um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, exercise my authority over the you're podcast. Over, you're overruling I'm the over, podcast. I'm overruling the Lord of the podcast, John Gennaro here. And I'm going with Daryl Henderson actually at this one because, I mean, come on. I get it, Melvin Gordon. That was crazy. Like, you know, although Gordon's Gordon's season was pretty nuts that it was like he was the thorn in the side. Then Javante Williams gets hurt, and it's like, oh, maybe it's Melvin Gordon time. And then he ends up getting cut after all the fumbles. But Daryl Henderson almost equally is crazy. He gets that absurd workload in week one. Cam Akers talk about a guy who looked like he was about to get canceled by his own team ends up being the league winner while Daryl Henderson gets cut and he's never even a, a, a rumor with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I don't know, pretty crazy stuff uh, for both of these running backs. Yeah. I, you know, I think this award could even go to Cam Akers who was yeah, that's a, true. about three inches away from being out of the Rams, you know, life forever. And then a month later he's, 
rumbling for touchdowns. He was definitely in the circle of trust. This just goes to show you when you hit when you hit the playoffs, once a player has, you know, touch equity and touchdown equity, it doesn't matter if the Rams aren't any good and Baker Mayfield's on his like 17th team and all that. And Kim Kim Makers was winning people fantasy championships or at least pushing people forward in the fantasy playoffs. And he got you three touchdowns on Christmas Day, I think it was, and best game of his career. And he looked really good doing it. So so good for him. Um, this was not a Lord Podcast Award, but I also want to mention, uh, talk about the what I said, waiting for Godot. Another like total Al Capone's vault. Like there was no reveal. There was no there there. Deshaun Watson, man. The people thought, oh, I'm going to hold yeah, on to totally. Deshaun Watson and he'll unleash mayhem on the league. And man, did, did he do absolutely nothing? I also feel like we should mention um, Ramondre Stevenson. The Patriots were not watchable and I almost had an award for Mac Jones being the Grayson Allen of the league where, you know, let's throw a pick and then let's cheap shot somebody as they're, they're doing the run back, which is like the, the comp, the Mac Jones go-to move these days. And complain the rest of the game before that. Right. Awful body language, man. I, I, you know, my favorite as a Patriots fan and whatever, they've won so much. I don't care. They could suck for the next 20 years. I'll live with it. My favorite Patriot moments this year were barely zappy moments or, of course, Ramondre Stevenson moments, who was, I feel like we should mention him, just he definitely outkicked his ADP. And was in a year where I didn't think there were that many right answers, Matt. I think this was a hard fantasy season. Ramondre Stevenson was one of the right answers. All right, last one here. The quote, there's zero chance that I would be able to convince you this was real if I had a time machine and traveled back to the summer to tell you this one specific thing award. And it was the fact that Geno Smith was the quarterback five over Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, and Tom Brady. I agree, man. It would have been pretty tough to travel back in time. I know I've got some bad takes out there about Geno Smith and the quarterback position in Seattle uh, this offseason, despite my love for Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. But hey, Geno, shout out to him. Um, like I said on the podcast with Dalton the other day, I know it seems like, oh, it's old news that Geno was so much better than Russell Wilson or anything like that. But it is still crazy that that is a real thing that happened this year. Yeah, uh, th- that the name of guys he beat too. I mean, he'd go on and on, you know, Dak Prescott. Yeah. Um, obviously Trey Lance got hurt. So he, he didn't go anywhere. I just, uh, so many big name quarterbacks fell on their face this year, but, and we mentioned it a few times during the year, but I'll mention it again. The, the also key to Geno Smith, if you came up with Geno Smith, even if you didn't want to draft him, it would have given you the confidence to cut the line by a half or full round, or, or you'll pay a, cu- a couple extra bucks in your salary cap lead to get DK Metcalf, to get Tyler Lockett, who were fantastic. No receiver produces every week. You know, even Justin Jefferson has an off week once in a while, or Jamar Chase or whoever. But those guys were Lockett, I think, at one point scored six straight weeks, and, and Metcalf yeah. was just a terrific player, as he always is. And they had a pretty tight tree. I mean, they, they threw the ball like 17 different tight ends, but they didn't have a third <laughs> receiver. Their running backs didn't catch the ball all that much. So, I keep saying it. I don't think there are a lot of right answers this year. Geno Smith was the right answer, and he dragged. Metcalf and Lockett don't need a lot of help, but Geno Smith gave them plenty of help. And that's one of my hugest regrets. I've always been a huge Lockett guy. I've always been a big Metcalf guy. I was underweight on those guys this year, and Geno Smith made me regret it. Yeah, man. Gino was definitely one of the stories of the season. Um, and, and yeah, I wish I wish I'd been more uh, open to the idea that Gino could be better than he was. But and uh, now he's going to lose by not. 17 to Brock Purdy in the first round of the playoffs. But hey, you know, I saw Pete Carroll's out there even at the press conference. Like, yeah, you know, unfortunately, we are playing the Niners. So a uh, master, master manipulator, master motivator is old Pete Carroll, the, the beacon of truth when he gets behind the mic. Beat Pete Carroll there. All right. That is going to do it for us. Scott, we've said it all. 
We've done it all. We even gave the people a five-minute uh, tangent on books, both fiction, nonfiction, the whole thing. Didn't see that one coming in this podcast, but I did know it was going to be an absolute banger of a show, and you delivered with some great awards here, Scott. Appreciate you, buddy. It was fun, and you know, I'd like to. I'm, I'm throwing out one more award, producer of the year. I'm giving it to Lord Podcast. Oh yeah, let the drop drop the applause on yourself there, John. Yeah. Drop the applause. Shout at, out least, to at least Southern podcast. California producer of the year. I don't I don't want to upset any of our producers who work at different parts of the country. So I'll give him the Southern California production award. Um, and, and you know, if you need Padres advice, you need food recommendations in the greater San Diego area. He's your guy, True. man. Word podcast, John Gennaro, great American dog lover. Just uh, you know, he's he's helped me get through many one time i had a, a problem with another podcast i needed to fix the audio on it he was happy to help he's a great man we're lucky to work with him and um you know but let's do it let's do it again next year hey well we got a lot of shows in the off season to go it is going to be a hell of a time and we're going to preview the playoffs tomorrow scott you will be back with us then with your buddy frank schwab the betting boys are back to preview the wild card weekend tomorrow in the meantime you can and you should be following at Scott underscore Pianowski on Twitter. You also can, whether you should, it's questionable, but you can follow me on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB and you better be following at Yahoo Fantasy. Don't let me catch you not following at Yahoo Fantasy if you want to be a smarter fantasy player. Like I mentioned, Scott is going to be back tomorrow with the great Frank Schwab. The betting boys are going to be here to preview the wildcard weekend. Until then, we're out. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.